This is a Diet of Brussels. It's kind of the end of 2020, and yet, quite obviously, it's also not the end of 2020. I'm sitting here, working from home on the afternoon of Thursday, the 17th of December, and frankly, I don't know where we are in terms of this process that's been going on for four and a half years. Every time I see uh, tweets saying uh, there's been progress or some kind of breakthrough or a deal, I see instantaneous rebuttals of that. I see briefings one way, the other way, people being optimistic, pessimistic. And really this reflects the fact that the negotiators in the room have done a pretty good job of keeping the actual progress, not to mention the text, to themselves uh, without any real leaks. Now, uh, in terms of where we are, I think it really highlights the fact that we simply have to wait. But it's pretty clear that taking in the round, trying to even out the bumps of various uh, briefings and columnists and what have you, we are where we have been all autumn and early winter, which is to say that we have the same basic problems. We see opportunities to close gaps, but also resistance to do that. As much as the economic rationale of this points clearly towards closing a deal, the politics of it is evidently much more problematic and is not improving over time either. Um, I think we can safely say that this has not been an exercise in building trust or confidence in each other uh, across the negotiating table and that 2021, whatever happens, is going to be uh, about picking up pieces of various kinds. So rather than trying to second guess these negotiations, which is a fruitless task in any case, I think we might more usefully think about... Uh, the bigger picture. And if we do that, then I think it's helpful here to just think about uh, the difficulties that we face in a more structural kind of way. And I've talked about this before at various points, but never quite so critically as now. The timetable for uh, this process is inelastic. We can't extend uh, the transition period. Uh, the likelihood of uh, agreeing some other way of extending the withdrawal agreement provisions in this regard is effectively zero. So we have a choice now at this point between uh, either some incredibly speedy and rushed ratification, uh, which might be possible, but only just, and we've had the European Parliament now saying that if it doesn't get a text by Sunday, uh, then it won't be willing to try and do that in a hurry. And yet, if it gets it by Sunday, then it's happy to do it in four days, which hardly seems like a leisurely and proper uh, piece of scrutiny. Or we go down the route of some kind of provisional application, and I'll come back to that. Or we end up still on the 31st of December talking to each other, and still making some progress, but not enough to actually close the gaps. If we think about the provisional application, this is something which is fairly frequent in international treaties. 
Uh, and this is basically where the two sides have signed a text uh, that they uh, agree their intent to ratify, but because that's a, a slow and lengthy process, rather than waiting several years for that to happen, it makes more sense just to say, well, we start the provisional implementation uh, and application of the treaty, uh, and then we'll let the, the legal side catch up. Now, this is what's happened, uh, for example, with the CETA treaty between Canada and uh, the EU, which is now into its uh, fourth or fifth year of uh, ratification processes, because each of the 27 uh, needs to uh, do its own uh, processes, which in some cases uh, requires subnational uh, approvals, as in the case of Belgium, famously. Now, when we're talking about the future relationship uh, deal between the UK and the EU, uh, there's an open question about whether we need to do that uh, mixed agreement, uh, so needing national ratification. Um, there has been some move to try and make this deal one that is purely between the EU and the UK, which would just mean that you'd have uh, a need for the Council uh, to approve it and the European Parliament. And clearly that contracts the uh, ratification process uh, quite substantially. The problem is that this is not a good way of doing things in this particular case. In other cases, when you have provisional application, you've had plenty of time to consider uh, the scope of the text that is presented. You don't have to hurry on from signing to implementation in most cases. So there's enough time to check yourself and check that you haven't made a misstep on that front. That's not an option anymore. Uh, at best, we're talking here about uh, a number of days for our governments on both sides uh, and the Commission to uh, check that they're happy with what's going on. And clearly the danger, in just kind of more democratic terms, is that we end up with something like the withdrawal agreement where one side now feels that uh, they didn't know what they were getting into and they'd signed up to something without really uh, reading the fine print. Now, that's also uh, a bad reflection on those individuals for signing up to something without reading it, which you should never do. But equally, it reflects the uh, preference of the British government to try and push through the ratification of that treaty at breakneck speed in order to hit the departure deadline back in January. So, provisional application is an option, but it's not without its difficulties. Most obviously, if the European Parliament is going to be able to do its uh, ratification ex post uh, during the spring of 2021, then the British Parliament might well want to do the same. And that is uh, problematic on two levels. One, because the British Parliament doesn't actually need to do a ratification per se. There are two elements uh, on the British side which are perhaps worth unpacking. One is the commitment under the uh, Constitutional Reform and Governance uh, Act, CRAG, which uh, requires that the government lays the text of any treaty in front of Parliament for 21 working days prior to its uh, entry into force. 
Uh, and this gives Parliament a chance to look at it and to raise any objections. So it's kind of a presumption of no problems, but an opportunity to raise them should there be any. Now, this can be uh, missed out in exceptional circumstances. Um, if you have a piece of primary legislation, uh, that can also create uh, an exemption for a specific piece of uh, treaty making, as was the case with the withdrawal agreement. But uh, CRAG clearly now is impossible. It's been impossible for pretty much the entire month of December. Uh, so there's no way that that can be discharged uh, at this stage. But there's the second part, which is that if a treaty is intended to create legal effects uh, within uh, the British legal order, then you need to pass a piece of primary legislation to make that uh, legal effect take place because uh, you don't have an automatic uh, transference in uh, the British system. So the withdrawal agreement, the treaty, uh, produced the withdrawal agreement bill, uh, which became the withdrawal agreement act, which basically takes all of the stuff that needs to be turned into enforceable commitments in UK law uh, and makes them enforceable in UK law. And you can't do a piece of primary legislation without Parliament's approval. Um, so you can get round CRAG requirements, but it requires you then to have a piece of primary legislation, which by necessity still requires uh, Parliament to be accepting. And as we know, Parliament can move very quickly. It can do the entire process uh, of approving a bill uh, within uh, a day or two. But again, whether this is uh, legitimate or appropriate is uh, another question. And certainly the experience of last winter with the rushing through of the withdrawal agreement bill has not left a positive uh, impression on many Tory backbenchers who may feel that they would like to have the opportunity to draw things out. And as much as the executive controls the process of uh, ordering parliamentary time, uh, there are limits to that. But this also matters in terms of the provisional application, because absent that legal effect in UK law, our provisional application becomes much more problematic. So we set up then a, a real challenge to the government between trying to crunch down what Parliament does when uh, the European Parliament is liable to say that it is able to uh, do this at more leisure, after the fact, versus just getting this off the table and moving on, as so often is the case in conservative circles. So all of this really suggests that I probably shouldn't be having a break over Christmas, but uh, I still am going to because at the moment we're not in that position. What maybe is more likely at this point um, and I say that with all the caveats that I've already made, is that we end up at the end of the year without a deal, but without an end of the process. And as much as the British government says that uh, it isn't going to carry on the talks past the 31st of December, it's hard to reconcile that with uh, the other statements of government ministers uh, from Michael Gove down, who say that pretty much everything in the negotiations is... Uh, agreed, 
you know, we're talking about 95% of the text being agreed, 97%, I saw somebody say the other day. Um, so why would you give all that up just because a time uh, deadline has passed? And remember that at the end of this year, mandates still exist. So even if the transition period no longer exists and we're back to a, a hard reset of uh, relations and arrangements, apart from the withdrawal agreements itself, you still have the incentive to try and uh, make the negotiations reach a conclusion, which both sides say that they uh, want to do and which they have largely uh, nailed down uh, the detail. So you may find that on the 1st of January, you have to have some introduction of uh, new elements of border controls and regulatory changes, but still in a context where both sides say, we just need a bit more time to uh, dot the I's, cross the T's, and then we can move into uh, signing a text, which we can then provisionally implement and or ratify uh, rather quickly. So all of this really suggests that the 31st of December is not the be-all and end-all point in all of this, which you might find depressing if you'd hoped that this would be coming to an end. But at the same time, you may find reassuring that this isn't the end of it. And this maybe is the more general point to come back to, which is that this relationship between the UK and the EU is a permanent one. There will always be need for some kind of stable equilibrium between the two sides, some kind of structured uh, framework, but quite what that looks like uh, is yet to be uh, sorted out. So Brexit is going to remain a live issue through 2021 and long beyond that in a way that uh, doesn't look to be immediately resolvable. And even if we end up with a treaty now, in the next week, the next days, and we are able to get that uh, ratified or provisionally applied, that's unlikely to be the end of the story. For the reason that there are going to be a number of emerging issues that need more attention, more uh, engagement by the two sides through whatever framework they set up, presumably some extension of the joint committee that already has operated through uh, this uh, transition period, and which, to its credit, has done some good work at uh, unblocking the implementation of the Northern Irish Protocol, which also will be coming into effect on the 1st of January, regardless of what happens. So, if you're looking for something to think about over Christmas that isn't uh, COVID-related uh, or uh, isn't about uh, the state of the world, then you've got Brexit as a little sideshow at this stage. Again, what it will take to move this to a decision, I think, remains what it always will, uh, always was, which is some kind of uh, significant uh, discussion between the two sides that moves this over the line. And as much as the uh, 
dinner and phone calls between Boris Johnson and Ursula von der Leyen seems not to actually um, do that last week. They do still seem to have kept the lines of communication open. And maybe uh, if the negotiators are able to uh, nudge it a bit more as well, then perhaps uh, you can have a subsequent follow-up with uh, uh, the principles uh, in relatively short order just to make sure that everyone uh, has a bit more reassurance about all of that. If all of this sounds vague, then it's intentionally so because the process remains vague. And that's because this is not a technical process at this stage. This is essentially a political process and the staging, the narrative, the framing of it all uh, matters to both sides. Both sides need to be able to show that this process is one in which they have uh, fought for their constituents' ish interests, that they've secured a deal that is good, that there's something that can be taken back home to show how they have uh, managed to fight off the predations of the others uh, in securing what they want. Now we know that, but we're liable to forget that that is part of the process as we go along. Just as this now is part of the process, the difficult moments, the damping down of expectations, the caution that's been expressed, the, the despair even to say, oh no, this looks like it can't work, is all part of a process which then potentially opens the door to saying, we've managed to save this from disaster and to produce something that works for you and for them and is a good deal and we should seize it with both hands. Now if this sounds cynical then uh, it is a bit cynical because we've been around this particular uh, story uh, many many times uh, with this podcast and with this process and I'm in no doubt that we will go around it uh, many more times again. So the short version of this is that there's still a lot to come in this year. Quite what? We don't know. But when we do, we'll talk about it. But in the meantime, as I start to think about what I'm going to do with all that food I've been stockpiling, uh, I will wish you a good festive break. And uh, I might talk to you again before Christmas or before the new year. But either way, uh, I hope that you stay safe and well. And we will talk again soon.